You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, welcome inside One Giant Step. A ho, 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 Merry Christmas edition as we are a couple days away from the Giants on Christmas Eve with the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading, anywhere podcasts are available, free on the Odyssey app, and of course, checking us out on YouTube as well. And look, take us with us. I'm sure you are right now, probably beeping at somebody in a parking lot who has turned into the spot before you in the last dash rush before the holidays. Paul Dottino with me. Sean Morris. Paul, hello. Ho, ho, ho to you. Hey, great to see you again, Sean. And, you know, I just hope that somebody keeps the Grinch away from the Giants because they're on the verge of making the playoffs. And the Grinch is about the only thing that could steal it from them right now. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple things we're going to get into, obviously, before we get to game picks, uh, you know, the fantasy reality stuff, all of that. Uh, first, just flat out a scenario. The Giants can clinch a playoff spot Saturday I'm uttering those words. It is possible that they could clinch a playoff spot Saturday with still two weeks to play in the season. That scenario is something, Paul, where, again, if you told us that as we approached that Titan game week one, we would have said, what? With two weeks left, they have that potential? So the scenario essentially is Giants need to win in Minnesota and basically have Washington, the Lions, Seahawks, any combination of the two or the three of them lose a game on on Saturday. Right. Um, and by the way, all possible. The Commanders are playing the 49ers. That's one of the two late window games with, of course, the Eagle-Cowboy game going on. Obviously not an easy task out in San Francisco. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Clearly not a, not an easy task. And, you know, the Lions have a tricky game where the odds makers right now only have them as two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Carolina Panthers who lost last week. But Carolina has just been swinging in some of these games. Major letdown versus Pittsburgh. But that won't be a simple rollover, we're going to roll you and thump you game for the Lions. So, really, i, I got to be honest, Paul, it comes down to the Giants for me. I think that two of those three will lose a game this week, and it comes down to whether the Giants get the job done or not. Yeah, I think that's very possible, Sean. And, you know, the late Wellington Mara always said that his goal every season was that the fans could come to the final home game on the schedule with reasons to cheer. In other words, that your team was still alive with playoff yeah. possibilities. Well, that's going to happen. No matter what happens this Sunday, the Giants will host the Colts the following weekend knowing that the playoffs are still very, very real. And and that's what makes this December run so much fun because they have been able to resuscitate 
the goals of, of their late owner. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a long time coming. And oh, by the way, it's a rewarding one. We enjoyed the heck out of it. It was a little different in 2020 because clearly no fans were in the stands. We still made them. It didn't matter, Paul. You know, covering the Giants, Giant fans. Didn't matter the NFC stunk. We were into it. We were watching Sunday Night Football that last week. But this is obviously a much different December run. The Giants already have eight wins. Um, they are clearly, you know, better a better team than that, or at least a better coach team than that. So, um, yeah, while the Giants had meaningful football, it was much different meaningful football two years ago. Well, you know why, Sean? Because the Giants did not control their own destiny. As much That's as they true, were in a must-win against Dallas in the season finale, you still had to watch that very painful, disgusting, and vomit-inducing Philadelphia Eagles game. And that's, that's the true. difference. The Giants are in complete control of their own fate. That's what makes this so much more special. And, Paul, I really want the Giants to take care of business this week or next week because I'm going to tell you right now, if they got to a Week 18 versus the Philadelphia Eagles and that scum from Philadelphia now decides they're not going to rest anybody the way they rested everybody so the Giants got screwed two years ago, I am not not going to be a happy camper in mid-January. Uh, okay, a couple house cleaning notes, Paul. Um I guess semi-interesting to some who are fans and not in the building. Probably not a big surprise to some in the building. The Giants did wave Tay Crowder, but as of last night, we are taping this on Thursday morning, did bring him back to the practice squad, which I don't know what was more surprising, them waving him or them, once he was waved, it kind of felt like maybe because of the, the free me tweet and everything, that would be it. But here he is back in the building on the practice squad. Do you have any thoughts, uh, some analysis here on, on what exactly happened here with Tay Crowder? Jay Crowder, who was Mr. Avelavin and obviously ascended from special teams to becoming a starting player, under Wink Martindale, uh, his, his role was a little bit lost in the scheme. Now, there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, he's not the most sound and basic fundamental tackler of the linebackers. Yeah, okay. Sure. Let's, let's be very clear about that. Jay Crowder, he's not afraid to necessarily hit guys but he doesn't always technically wrap them up and bring them down. And that's a very big deal to Wake Martindale. He is an old-school defensive coordinator, and he's very big on fundamentals. You wrap up and you take a guy down. That was one thing that I'm sure rubbed him the wrong way. The other thing is that Tay Crowder very often did not have great play recognition. He also many times took the wrong angles when trying to attack somebody from the front seven. And you combine all these things together, and what you saw was that his production was not meeting what Wink Martindale was demanding. And over the course of time, they found out when they brought back Jalen Smith that he was producing at a higher level. In fact, did you know Jalen Smith does not have a missed tackle this season? He may have taken a couple of wrong angles you and missed the gap. <clears throat> Surprising because no. it feels like Jalen Smith takes a lot of wrong angles whenever I watch him play. But if he hasn't missed well, a tackle, I'd rather you make the tackles than miss him, clearly, when you get there. Yeah, nobody breaks free from him. Right. When Jalen Smith hits you, you go down. Um, right. So that's a big deal. Uh, and then, obviously, they really like McFadden, the rookie who came out of Indiana. As he has progressed, he's taken reps away. Uh, they use Tony Jefferson in the sub role. They use now Landon Collins in the sub role. To be frank with you, it was not a surprise that Crowder was then taken off the 53 because his role had significantly diminished. Yeah. Now, in the corresponding move, do we expect this? Because I didn't see it official that it's going to be Landon Collins. Well, Wink Martindale, when he spoke to the media yesterday, 
the way he talked about Landon and that he played well last week and that he sees how he can fit in the defense the rest of the season, that kind of let the cat out of the bag. So I would be very surprised, yeah. even though Brian Dable said they won't make any moves on that 53rd man of the roster until Friday or maybe even Saturday. Uh, well, it would have to be Friday because the game is on Saturday. Yeah. The way Wick Martindale talked about Collins, it would be very surprising yeah. if he was not the addition. And I know obviously many Giant fans have a big, big soft spot, as we all should for Landon Collins, right? I mean, obviously a big second-round pick. He had moments, then he left in free agency, comes back. And Landon Collins clearly is an older player now, not the same player where he was running around at safety. And, you know, a guy that comes down and plays in the box and to be able to play some of that inside linebacker stuff now for the Giants when he has it. Here's the bottom line with Landon Collins. Um, is he as big and strong enough maybe to take on some of the blocks, you know, in real physical run games? No, but what Landon Collins does and what we saw on Sunday night, when, you know, the, the opportunity presents itself, he creates negative plays and right away on Sunday night versus a good run game. This is a giant's defense. Let's face it. You know, we talk about the corners and the weakness and worried about the receivers. They've been gashed on the run a, a lot of this year here. And Landon Collins, if he can create negative plays in that run game, I mean, frankly, that's more than take Crowder do, that does. So I, I'm all on board for it. And this is a defense right now under Wink Martindale. It should be just doing the math throw together as many negative plays as you can in one game plan and hope that it's enough to go out there and win a game and hold the team down. And that's exactly what Landon Collins gives them right now. Wink, when asked specifically about Landon Collins, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is that he's smart. He knows yeah. what he's doing out there and he helps guys line up and he's not going to make mental mistakes. Again, you're talking about an old school coordinator, Sean. And, and MEs, as coaches call them, mental errors, are not things they tolerate very well. Yep, absolutely. And with that, Paul, transition a little bit to Paul, the Pro Bowl teams were announced last night. Now, of course, it's going to be basically a game of tug-of-war and dodgeball and connect four and whatever else they're going to do. <laughs> we're not going to get any football out of it. So I'm a little less – It's so. Here's the, here's my feeling on the Pro Bowl. When I was a kid, I loved it. Obviously, as I got older, I understood it wasn't the same football, but right. I was never somebody who pounded the table to say, we need to get rid of the Pro Bowl. Look, everybody keeps bailing because I remember when I was a kid liking it, and I know my cousin's kids were, you know, little teenagers and stuff. They loved watching it. So whatever, if they want to go play a skills competition or whatever the heck they're going to do, that's fine. Bottom line is this. The Giants got two representatives in, and I thought two very deserving representatives. So proud of Dexter Lawrence making his first Pro Bowl team. And of course, everything that Saquon Barkley fighting back from injuries has done for this team has absolutely deserved it uh and then there were snubs right I, I think some were surprised to see Andrew Thomas and you know look there's a couple really good quality left tackles but it felt like he had he had earned it and got to the pinnacle and should be a pro bowler and of course many thought Graham Gano as well could have been a pro bowler uh and you know there were different alternates along the line third alternates fourth alternates I know I'm missing a couple guys I know Feliciano as well as like a third alternate but a little different now because guys pulling out of injury to play dodgeball may not happen. So I'm not so sure how many alternates get there, Paul. But uh, good for Saquon, good for Dex, sad for Andrew Thomas specifically and Graham Gano. Yeah, Andrew Thomas is the one that really burns my goat because you, you look at Williams and Johnson and Wirfs, and the guy who doesn't belong is Wirfs. Let's no not doubt. pull any punches. No, uh, no I'm not going to pull punches on this. There's no doubt that Williams and Johnson – are very, very worthy. But so is Andrew Thomas. As far as I'm concerned, it's clear. He is part of that trio. Wirfs does not belong. 
End of story, period. And that was a very, very bad decision. Yeah, and 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 to be honest, and it's, I'm not trying to knock Werfs, but if you took Andrew Thomas off this Giants team, put Tristan Werfs, who plays right tackle, by the way, yes. and tried to convert him, whatever, the Giants are a worse football team. I, I, I really, yeah, I, I feel very confident saying that. And I also feel very confident saying that if Andrew Thomas, despite his struggles the last couple of years, was playing with Tom Brady on a Tom Brady-led team, he would be getting the accolades today that Tristan Werfs is still getting. Um, well, let me reverse that, Sean. You yeah. think if Worfs was playing left tackle for the Giants, they'd be 8-5-1 and one right now? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. So I think it all works like that. And it's look, Andrew Thomas will have his time. People have noticed more and more this year. Uh, all the, you know, whatever you believe in PFF and pro football, all of that stuff. Andrew Thomas will have his time. It just sucks seeing him not go to the Pro Bowl. But again, I'm gonna care a little less because I'm not gonna see him in stupid red and blue uniforms with lays around their neck, uh, and instead playing Inspector Gadget. So uh, again, caring much, much less about that. All right, Paul. Now we look ahead to this game with the Vikings. And I'm obviously we'll give our game picks at the end of the show here, but this game, since the high of the commander game, remember it's a rough turnaround because we go Sunday night, we're taping this on Thursday. I'm still fu- re- really high. I've been watching sights and sounds and everything else, uh, rewinding, looking for Paul on the sideline and all of that good stuff. I have to say, this game is the game I am struggling with the most on not having a true good read on whether I really feel confident in a loss or a win. I think that the Minnesota Vikings deserve more credit, I think, than even the public has given them. I know they've won a lot of close games. Heck, the Giants have won a lot of close games. Metrics will tell you these are the two, quote-unquote, luckiest teams in the NFL. They clearly have firepower. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins has played well. But they also have a secondary that gives up a lot of yards as well. And the Giants did explore that short, quick passing game a week ago. Uh, this is a game. And also, Paul, look, I mean, we talk about the Giants coming off an emotional high, the Vikings coming off a 33-0 high, the distractions of, you know, Christmas and everything else. This, to me, feels like just matchup-wise, I, I don't think that this is as daunting as people thought originally, but at the same time, it could be a big who-knows mindset-wise when these two teams line up. You know what's interesting to me, Sean? You know, you talk about the Vikings, and they're 10-0 and in one-possession games, all right? 11-3 yeah. overall. And they've got seven fourth-quarter victories. Well, look at the Giants, right? We know what the Giants are. They've got five fourth-quarter victories. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know what that tells you, Paul? I think we're going to have a tight one of the fourth quarters. <laughs> well, you know, you one would think that. I mean, I, I look at I look at this, and, and I, I've been pulling up all kinds of numbers and watching all kinds of tape. Giants, eight, two, and one in one-possession games. I mean. Yes, you would you would think. But here's here's the problem with this game. Conventional wisdom, and I was on with the Vikings, uh, one of their podcast people just yesterday, and he said to me, there's no doubt in my mind that this game is going to be won in the trenches because the Giants' front four is going to beat up Kirk Cousins. Now, we know Cousins has been hit more than any other quarterback this year. I mean, the, the stats are, are yeah. indisputable. Okay. Yep. And that's a big he holds the ball long. Yep. He holds the ball long because he wants to make a big play, much like Heineke does. The difference is he's not as mobile as Heineke. So he's a statue back there. So he better have his insurance paid up because Kirk Cousins is going to be more purple than the Vikings helmet by the time the game is over. That's like that's it. for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you say, well, Giants are going to win that side of the trenches. 
And on the other side of the trenches, yeah, you got Zadarius Smith. He's got 10 sacks. He's a really terrific player. No one's going to dispute that. But he is basically the bulk of their pass rush. They don't do anything fancy. And they play a lot of zone coverage, which Daniel Jones usually eats up. Okay, but here's the problem. I said to the guy, yeah, the Giants will dominate the trenches. And usually that means that team is going to win. The issue is simple, though. The Vikings are so explosive on offense. They've got so many skill positions, including, by the way, Dalvin Cook, who took a 64-yard screen pass for a touchdown in the blink of an eye last week. All right? It's not just Jefferson going deep. Right. It's not just Thielen. It's not just Hawkinson. It's not just Osborne. Cook can also build you in the passing game. I said the problem is the Vikings can score on explosive plays in the blink of an eye. Absolutely. So the Giants can control the clock for 35 minutes. They can dominate in every way and still find a way to lose this game because the Vikings can score three touchdowns like that. Right. Which, That's by the what way, makes yeah. this a difficult game to count to, to handicap. Which is so funny, Paul, because I really think and and you know, with the way the Giants pass rush is going, I really think if you looked up and I'm I'm just gonna say it, if Daniel Jones had the weapons the Vikings had. Not only am I feeling good about this game, I, I'm feeling good in a wide-open NFC. See Jalen Hurts banged up that the Giants could make even a deeper run than we think right now. That's how good the weapons are that Minnesota has to create those explosive plays because the explosive plays have been what, what's lacking the most in this Giants offense that you know, every right. time that there's a drop pass, it feels like it's a death blow because you just don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to go up and down the field. Now, exactly. with that, with slowing down those guys – it, it appears as if one more week we're still not going to get a Dory Jackson here. And who the heck knows with Xavier McKinney, Paul? Um, this is really starting to drag along here. But now let me just put a twist on it. Am I, I could be wrong, and maybe this is me trying to have a very positive input on it. I almost feel like the Giants understand what they accomplished winning in Washington, and it took some of the pressure off winning this game, and maybe that's another reason to give them more week off? Or is it Dory really just that far away still? No, no, Dory's not far away at all. But but they want to be really, really sure that when he comes back, he stays on the field. He he was hoping to play against Washington last week. Okay, right. so, you said so, that right? Yeah, and, and 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 he is razor thin, close. But they just want to be doubly extra sure because we all know about the value that he brings to this team. And you're right, the pressure is a little bit off this week, just a little bit, to where the Colts game becomes all that more important. And I don't think the Giants want to have any setbacks at Adoree. So I do think they're being cautious. And by the way, Sean, they've done this a couple of times before in the last month and a half where they have been extra careful with certain guys, including Leonard Williams, right? You'll recall that. Right. Yes, where absolutely, yeah. He was, he was ready to go, but our guy, maybe we can just hold him back for one more week. This, they're very conservative. They always have been. But they've been extremely cerebral in bringing their guys back this year from injury. Now, McKinney's a different story. As I explained to you, once they took the pins out of his fingers and they saw that there was so much atrophy in his hand, that became a, a, a no-brainer now. He's, he's probably not going to play for the rest of the season. Now, wow. I would be surprised if he makes it back because – he lost so much muscle tone and strength in his hand. It's 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 going to be uh, hard for me to fathom 
that he's going to regain it in the next three weeks. That's a killer. Now, I could, get, I killer. could, I could I be surprised, but I, I just I don't know. know. It's a giant, you know, because Giants fans are just sitting back going, man, if they had McKinney for the playoffs. Man, I if know. they had McKinney for the playoffs. I know. It's a killer. Look, well, and again, see, I feel he so hoped, bad. John, he hoped before the pins came out that it would only be another week or two maybe after the pins right. came out. But then when the pins came out and they saw the atrophy, it changed everything. It, it's just, he's so important, man. It, and that really, it just, what sucks again is we're going to point out, it's not blaming him because I'm sure nobody feels bad, worse for him. It's just, oh, he's, of all the things, tortured. to not have it happen on a football field, it's just like, you got to be kidding. And by the way, you know, we've seen much worse, right? The JPP fireworks incident. But Giant fans have just seen these freak injuries before, and it's just gut-wrenching. It kills you. It absolutely kills you. Uh, but I'll okay. say this, what what, McK- what happened to McKinney, Paul, and I don't want to laugh because it really sucks for him, you know as far as Dable and Shane or whatever, that McKinney injury is going to be talked about before every bye week as long as they are coaches and GMs to that team before they go out there. Hey, you know, we had a good team. That is going to be the poster child of what not to do on a bye week for the Giants moving forward. As long as the Giants make the playoffs, it will be somewhat minimized. But if they don't make the playoffs, yeah, that's going to be as infamous as the damn boat thing screwed them up before the the Green Bay game. At least that's the narrative. Yeah. I still don't yeah. buy it, but you know how people continue to yeah. sing that song. Well, well Paul, and I'll, and I'll see. No matter what, really, unless it's like totally just a disaster and they can't score at all, which I guess is possible. If they lose a really close game where there's a broken play by the defense in the playoffs, people will point to say, "Man, if we have Xavier McKinney, we might win that game." So I, I don't necessarily know that it stops uh, with or without the postseason. Now, Paul, before we get to game picks and uh, fantasy versus reality, it is the holiday time. So I want to ask you, going back even to when you were a young child or on, what is the best Giants-related gift you got in the holiday season ever in your life? What can you think of? Oh, I, I've, I've never really gotten a Giants-related gift for Christmas. As you sit there and I'm watching YouTube with posters and and everything else around you, nothing around the holidays is ever giant related. Just your whole year. No, you gotta you gotta understand something because I grew up in a Giants household and my dad goes back to the Tittle days, obviously, and Robustelli and and Gifford and all those guys. There was always Giants still floating around the house year round. Okay, <laughs> there I was no need true. to buy them as Christmas gifts. <laughs> Bad time to tell you at 35, I asked my mother for a Daniel Bellinger jersey this year. That's okay. <laughs> she said, what can I get you? I said, you know what? This is what I want. I want to, I want to freshen up my jersey collection. But okay. All right, Paul. Very nice. I will tell you, I will tell you when I was 13 years old, I, uh, you know, obviously a big giant fan in school and everything else. I was the first kid ever to get, <laughs> this is really thinking about it, uh, right ahead of that run in 2000, a Kerry Collins jersey for Christmas and oh you got a Kerry Collins nobody's had everybody had Armstead and Barber and everything else right a tumor I was the man with a Kerry Collins jersey <laughs> when I was in eighth grade and I loved it all right so let's look ahead to this game Paul now real quickly this is going to be a wild weather Saturday in the NFL clearly Minnesota's played 
indoors. But the whole Midwest, you're talking about Blizzard, Chicago, Cleveland, all can be played in, yeah. in big snow. Are you a little worried about the travel here with the Giants screwing anything up? Remember, it's not that long ago the Giants were trying to travel to Minnesota and got derailed to Kansas City and then had to yeah. play a game in Detroit with the Metrodome. Uh, do you think travel is a factor at all with the snow here? Yeah, but the roof in their new buildings a lot stronger than that, it looks that, that way. plastic roof in the old Metrodome. It, it looks that way. It's not a hefty bag. I think it'll be no, okay. No. But but it's still like the a idea greenhouse now that they have. But remember when they let, if, am I crazy? When they had to land in Kansas city, it wasn't because the roof had collapsed. It was because the snow was too tough to get into Minnesota. Right? No, no, no. The roof collapsed. Okay. Roof I thought collapsed. the roof had, I thought the roof had collapsed after they had to divert to Kansas city. Okay. never mind. I had, oh, that no, no, no. The roof wrong. had collapsed and that's why they had to, to, to go. And, and, and I was not traveling in that particular season. I was doing the giant stuff from back here in the studios in New York. And I remember having to talk to the uh, uh, emergency manager of the city of Minneapolis on the air live hours before the game was supposed to be played, trying to find out exactly how they were going to handle this situation. It was Unreal. one of the more fun, memorable moments of my career, which belongs in a book that I'll never write. Yeah, unreal. I was actually an intern at WFAN that fall. That was when I just started getting into the business, and it was a set. The Saturday happened when they got diverted to Kansas City, and I'll never forget. I was sitting next to the great Bob Usler, who was you know typing up his updates or whatever, and you know my job is just kind of track whatever's going on. I'm like, Bob, I think the Giants had to land in Kansas City. I don't think they're gonna play this game tomorrow. He's like, what? <laughs> Not trusting me at all as an intern. I'm trying to give him the info blow by blow. Uh, that was a wild, wild. So that was probably 2010, right? That was the 2010 season. God, um, yeah, I, I can't even remember exactly what year it was. I, I think when I think of the Giants and the Vikings, I try to think about 1986 and Bobby Johnson. Yeah, I, I again, speaking of Kerry Collins, I think of 2000 in that NFC championship game. I definitely don't think of 97 and Chris Calloway with an onside kick. That's no, you don't want to do that. No, definitely. Not. I definitely don't By think By the way, Jay Green was out of bounds. There was no replay in those. There was no <laughs> You're replay. Right. You're right. There didn't was no stop, replay didn't in stop those the days. offensive defense from brawling at halftime, though, Paul. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what one foot, Jay Green only got one foot down in the back of the West End zone along the back line. And there was no replay in those days, yeah. and the Giants wound up uh, getting screwed. So, yeah, Giants and Vikings have definitely played some memorable games. Okay, so with Indeed. that, Paul, picks, fantasy picks, all of that. What's the reality of what the Giants need to do in this game? Let's go. Will we have another Giant-Viking memorable game? You can go first. Yeah, I do. I do think it'll be a memorable game. I, I do think that because of the quick-strike Vikings, despite the fact that Cousins will be absolutely harassed and beaten up all day long, I just don't think that the Giants are going to be able to keep up with them enough offensively, even if the defense creates some short fields. And I think they'll be able to do that because Cousins has thrown 11 interceptions and he's fumbled the ball away five times. So he will turn the ball over. And when he gets hit by Thibodeau and Ojolari and Dexter Lawrence, it is liable to pop free. So I do think we're looking at a 27-24 game in favor of the Vikings simply because I think that their explosiveness with their big play capabilities is going to be enough at home. And I'll tell you something, Sean. I've been to the new building. And the way they constructed the building with the slanted roof and the hard roof on one side and the glass roof on the other – Mm -hmm. uh, the way it was done is specifically designed for acoustics to bounce all of the sound inside the building to reflect down to the visitor's sideline. Mm 
to make it more difficult for them to hear. It, it's 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 a home field advantage that they were allowed to build in with the architect. Seattle did the same thing uh, with the Seahawks stadium. These are things that will help the home team if you're trying to come from behind. Um, I just suspect that Minnesota is going to have enough with their big plays to squeak this one out. Uh, it would not shock me. Uh, I'll, I'll give my game pick as well. I'll <clears throat> call it a feeling, call it bias. I think the Giants find a way to win this game, and I think I'm going to tie it to my reality before we go to this too. I think the Giants are going to win this game or somewhere around the realm of like a tight 27-26. You're going to see a couple field goals here and there. The reason I say that ultimately I think that there's something here right now with Kayvon and Ojolari and that front four. And I think that while the Vikings can have those explosive plays, and I think those explosive plays are exactly why this game is going to be so tight, I think they're going to be limited and there are going to be drives that are absolutely stuttered and stalled as the Giants really continue to find their groove with this pass rush. Um, I think the Giants will do enough. I think Saquon might be back, especially if Bredesen is uh, you know, blocking the way he is. I just call it a gut feeling off of anything else. I think the Giants find a way to win this game, and I think it's going to be an absolute thriller down to the gun where maybe Daniel Jones leads them on a field goal drive late. I'm going to go 27-26, but the real story we're going to talk about after is can you believe how good, again, Kayvon and Thibodeau were? And by the way, look, giant memorable games at Christmas Eve recently. We've seen in the last like 15 years or so at least one really great one, Victor Cruz, 99 yards down the sideline versus the, the Jets, and one really bad one where it was basically the Reggie Bush Christmas Spectacular they got trounced by the Saints uh, years yeah. back as well. Uh, I just uh, look. I could be completely off bias. I won't walk away or or go to bed on Christmas as Santa comes and say, "Damn, I can't believe the Vikings won the game." I'm sure because it wouldn't shock me if they did. This is more just gut instinct. I think Thibodeau and Ojolari changed the game, and the Giants win a game 27-26. I could see the Giants getting five sacks in this game, and like I yeah. said, causing a couple of takeaways. I, I could definitely see that. So. I don't think you're far-fetched on this one, Sean. If it does come down to a barn burner, uh, I can remember listening to Marty Glickman on the radio in 1969 uh, at Yankee Stadium when Fran Tarkenton threw two fourth-quarter touchdown passes to Don Herman and brought the Giants back from a 23-10 deficit to win it 24-23 in the final minute. Um, Amazing. If, that, if, if you want to get a replay of that Giants-Vikings game, I'm sure that uh, Big Blue would be very glad to have it. That's amazing. Do you have a, a fantasy play? Somebody you like ending up in the end zone? Anything like oh, that? Oh, I, I think, think that Saquon Barkley's going to run for at least a buck twenty, and and at least one touchdown. I, I think I think what what I saw last week, and I told you he was going to be Saquon Barkley again. We saw we saw the resurgence yeah. as his body starts to heal, and I think he's going to have a big game against this team. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a terrible pick at all. I am on the reverse. Look, a guy who's kind of been laying in the weeds the last couple of weeks, touchdown-wise. I'm going to go Darius Slayton, but I also think, what have you done for me lately on tape? Last week, the Giants were so good with that quick passing game, not taking any shots down the field of 15 yards or more. On top of that, Saquon Barkley got going again on the ground. So I think a combination of having to respect the ground game and, and anticipating all these quick passes, I think it's the old rope-a-dope. Giants set them up. They are going to take a deep shot in this game and I think they convert and you get a big touchdown from Darius Slayton. That would be great if you're the Giants, but it would actually play into the Vikings' hands because they play mostly a zone defense. And yeah. between Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson, they've got two guys back there who have outstanding ball skills. Absolutely. You know Smith has five interceptions again yeah. this year. They're hot. They're Hawks. 
But Paul, they yeah. give up a lot. Paul, despite that, though, if you look, they've given up a lot of big plays. I believe me, I know I've gambled on too many Viking games through the air. So as much as they play themselves, in, now look, it's it's a you know risk reward thing, right? Because they could pick it off or it could go the other way back. So I, well, I let just, me ask I have you a, this, Sean. I, I don't want feeling. to throw I don't want to throw rain on your parade. But if you're going to take some deep shots, which always are a little bit more risky, and you're going to throw some 50-50 balls, let's say. Who do you think's got better ball skills to go get those passes? The Vikings, the Vikings, the Vikings. secondary or the Giants receivers? Vikings. Paul, I'm not telling you that Darius Slayton's going to turn into Randy Moss in this game, or am I telling you that this is what they're going to do all day long? I'm just saying the way they played last week, I could see them easily starting off like that, and who knows? Late second quarter, early third quarter, you figure this out enough, and then boom, you surprise them. That would be great. I, that I would just, be great. I could see it. I could see it. So we'll see. We'll jingle our bells. We'll hope for the best. And we'll see if we can get a giant victory. Paul, enjoy Christmas. Uh, and by the way, everybody, we are going to recap Giants-Vikings, obviously, on Monday morning. The game is Saturday, Christmas, Sunday. We'll spend our time with our families. We'll be back on Monday with the game recap. Sorry if you know you wanted to listen to one giant step instead of the Yule Log, but maybe go back and listen to the Titans preview and just start the year <laughs> all, all together. Uh, Paul, where can everybody get you on Twitter? <laughs> at Giants WFAN. There's Sean and everybody out there. Adam, our producer. Yep. Enjoy the holiday weekend, folks. Regardless of what happens with the score, you got family and friends to be thankful for. Have yeah. a great time. Absolutely. Enjoy the stockings being stuffed, the, uh, you know, the food you eat, and maybe, just maybe, a giant playoff clinching weekend. Thank to everybody for listening to One Giant Step. You get me on Twitter at Mraz CBS. As Paul mentioned, Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to our producer, Adam, as well. Take care, everyone.